name's Thomas and this week I'm joined with Connor once again and we've got a hell of a lineup for you. Connor, let's say anything. Uh, not really. Fair enough. <laughs> so, this week we're going to be discussing last weekend's uh, Six Nations matches. We're going to be talking about what makes a Tier 1 nation because we completely forgot to do it last week. Going to cover the mental state of playing and training and how to get into it. So we're going to talk about pre-match rituals and routines for games. And to finish off, we're going to be talking about the return to Rugby Roadmap, which is something I'm very excited to discuss. But first, Connor, I have an apology. Yeah, go ahead. So, last week, I was talking about how Zamit's try um, and how everyone, it was the controversy of it being a knock-on. And... I was arguing it wasn't a knock-on because it went behind him. And I don't know, in the podcast itself, it was much of an argument. But I know beforehand, we did yeah. argue a fair bit about it. It, it was. <laughs> they, they, they did go on for a couple of hours, we must say that. Um, however, as soon as the podcast got released, uh, my mate Dan dropped me a text. He goes, loving the podcast. But, I was like, oh, shit. Um, <laughs> Nigel Owens himself said that that was a knock-on. And who am I to argue with one of the greatest refs of all time, even if I did see it go behind him? One uh, of. The, one the, of. Gra- the greatest. He is the greatest. I do apologise. He is definitely Thank the greatest. Thank you for the greatest. correction. Um, so, my apologies, Connor. It was not a try. And as much as it hurts me to swallow my pride on that, and say that you were right. Um, But swiftly moving on, talking about Wales again, we're going to start with the first match of last weekend, Italy versus Wales. That was a disappointing game for me, Connor. I know, because you was proper big enough Italy, and how they have a fight all the way from minute one through minute 80, but they just didn't show up. And it brings back into question from last week, uh, should it be put down back down to the Five Nations or should Italy be taken out? Yeah, here's the thing. I think the Italy that played last weekend, 100%, they should not be in the tournament. I mean, you saw on bits, you saw on bits like their try, their, their mm-hmm. one try, which, honest to God, it's not unusual to hear Italy only getting one try, but they do put in more of a fight in the defensive aspect and have yeah. a lot more runs. But, and they also kick a lot more. Yeah, and they, 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 have, they, a be, they have a better all-round game. They might only get the yeah. try, but they, in that one try, you saw the passion and the love that Italy had been having this entire tournament. And, yeah. you know, and I was thinking, that's the Italy I've been raving about. That's the Italy that's making me want to buy an Italian jersey and um, update also on that. Also the colour scheme. And the colour scheme on that jersey as well. I, I get the white, um, the white one is the one I'm getting. Ooh, yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, so update on that. Ordered it. It's cost me a fortune, but <laughs> fuck it. Italy better win a game soon, you know? <laughs> get a bet coming in for me. I can I can pay for Italy jerseys for everyone. Um, yeah, so i really disappointed with how they played. Um, however, you did see near the end how they were they you saw that passion once again with them pushing and pushing um just to, to finish on a high to get a final try to finish on a high and i thought it's a bit late but you gotta respect 
not wanting to yeah. end in that state. They got their heads sorted too late, however. You can never do someone down for trying to turn things around. And um, another thing that's going to sound very contradicting to last week, Wales won a game that they deserve to win. Yeah, you know, first time for me. Yeah, first time in this tournament. But on top of that, we had a referee that was not controversial. You know, Wayne Barnes, he made some calls. He made some calls that I thought, hmm... You know, uh, there was yeah. some moments where... There was some on the fence, but there weren't any which were like, oh, what on earth is that? It's like, he, he, did, he did on occasion, he penalised Italy for not rolling away in the 22, gave penalty mm-hmm. advantages. And then when Italy were in Wales, this 22 didn't do it for them. But then again, he probably let things slide for Italy, but mm-hmm. he didn't let slide yeah. for Wales and... Maybe I just didn't notice that because I'm sitting there as an Italian fan, um, you know. So I can say pretty much. I was, I was genuinely. I was more pissed off at uh, the commentary. I heard some things that uh, really got on my nerves on the commentary. But we're not going to go into that. We're here to talk about the games, not the commentators. Um, <laughs> but I guess a major thing for Wales in that game was. The forwards, the pack, yeah. did, did their pack did showed up like they never have before. I know, and it's, um... it was just phenomenal, phenomenal to watch. Demoralizing for Italy, but yeah. phenomenal to watch. And and that's a point we were making um, only last night, weren't we? We were saying it was an absolute shame to see Italy like that, but maybe even even though they've been demoralized with so many tries being scored against them throughout the tournament, the end of this game it, it just. It just let them get to them. Yeah. Well, was. But, was it just this game was one too many? They kind yeah, of just cracked, and that now they they need to sit down and go back to the drawing board and go look. We've got one final game. We've had an amazing tournament. Yeah, we haven't won, but we've had an amazing tournament. Yeah, they're a team which you can go out there, and I will put. A bet on them to throw everything they have at game. Yeah, it's it's some, they, it's a game that you're gonna even if it is the final score is gonna be like even even with Italy, if the final score ended up being a hundred nil zero against Italy, you know full well they've gone out and they've done bits. You know you, you're gonna yeah. enjoy it because they're gonna the majority of the time, like last weekend, not so much, but majority that was of the one time, exception for me. Which this, I watched definitely in this tournament. In the last yeah. couple of years, to be honest, I've yeah, seen Italy do nothing but improvements, and they've had they've had a couple of setbacks, yeah, but I've seen nothing but improvements for Italy, and it's uh, a yeah. um, disappointing. Yeah. A bit like France for me, they're young, they're underrated, and yeah, they're a phenomenal team, and they know how they want to play. It's just trying to get into that rhythm, definitely, which I think definitely. is breaking Italy down. Yeah, but um, Owen. Is it Owens or Owen? Um, the Welsh hooker. He had a game, didn't he? Yeah. On the, Owen, back, yeah. on the back of those malls. Had great line outs, great line outs he was throwing. And then on the back of those malls, getting those tries. Um, arguably, I thought sometimes he's, he's sh- Wayne shouting at them to re- the Italian forwards to rebind, where, you know, they, they haven't lost their bind. They shouldn't have to move back around, really. And maybe yeah. I've misunderstood that rule. You know, I'm a, I'm a scrum half and a, a winger, so. 
Mate, I don't know the I don't know the pack laws that well, but mate, you're a scrum off, so you shouldn't be anywhere near a ball. Actually, that realistically, I should be, mate. I should be at the back of it to take the ball to pass you it out. Nowhere near <laughs> anything to do with the ball. Yeah, no, but you, I should not. I should not. I should up. somewhat know the rules. You know, it was just my point. Yeah. I I don't know the rules too well, so maybe I am wrong. But I, I how I saw it was, if they've kept their bind, um, they shouldn't have to move around, but. Yeah, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Obviously, Wayne Barnes knows more about the game than me, but yeah. then again, he has done some controversial stuff in the past. Um, yeah. Ireland, well, every Ireland game he ever refs. Let's just say that. <laughs> um, Can we move on to one of the games which was very exciting well, for me? I actually had one other point to make. Now, obviously, you didn't get to watch the games, but you, no. did, watch, you did watch the highlights, and there was that early yeah. yellow for yeah. uh, the Italian captain. Now, Wasn't there two yellows for it? To wait, I'm, talk, I'm talking about the first yellow. First the yellow first one. Yeah. So, obviously that's going to be a big knock for any player to get it that, that soon in the game, in that position yeah. as well. Um, but do you think that was, and it being the captain as well, do you think that was the downfall for Italy's game there? Yeah, because everything you want to do, your captain will run through it. Like... Mm. Everything almost goes through the captain. He's yeah. like the most trusted player, the player who the coaches love the most. That's why he's the captain. And for them to have had their captain taken away for the beginning part of the game means they can't get the momentum to feed through towards the rest of the game because they don't have that shot caller. They don't have that magical player which you are almost relying on to do his bits. Yeah, so I, d- I think that was a big hit for them. But I know I said we weren't going to talk much about the commentary, but this is something that really annoyed me. And it's actually it is a good question. Um, but it annoyed me that she asked it, but I'd like to hear your opinion. Um, so, female commentator, be- commentator, I believe it was Maggie. I can't think of her last name. It's gone from my head. The, uh, the international England player. Do you know who I'm talking yeah. about? I know you're on about. I yeah. just don't know her name. Well, yeah. she um, when that card happened, obviously yeah. it, it was because not uh, making a tackle before getting back ten. Yeah. But it was in there twenty-two. Now, personally, I'd say make that tackle. He made the right decision. Yeah, yeah. you that. Yeah, you down to fourteen men. But other, you've just you've prolonged a try, and you don't know what could have possibly happened in that time. Yeah, if you can hold them out for another yeah. even like five minutes, that's five minutes drained off the clock. Yeah, exactly. So the que- the question that uh, she stated was, was it a good play? Was it Wales? Was it try time all day, every day for Wales? Or Obviously, I'm paraphrasing here. Or was that just a lazy play from the Italian captain? I don't think it was a lazy play. I think that was a smart decision. Personally, in that, in that position, I would do the exact same thing because I know... It, it, we're, we're, we're in the 22 if we get back 10 metres we're going to basically uh-huh. be on our try line yeah you know the way how I see it is gonna get in. you're doomed if you do you're doomed if you don't yeah. either way you, you're doomed so uh, prolonging it for me he did the right thing and yeah but that's just the way how I see it personally yeah, definitely I do agree with you there so let's move on to a game but you're you're very excited to talk about, and I'm, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm very upset about it as well. This game, this w- Saturday was not a good week, a good day for me. 
on uh, teams that I was supporting. <laughs> but the England France game, that first In- try. Did you watch that first try? Did. The punt's first try. Oh, damn. Mm-hmm. The control of that. In the first two minutes as well, which is what England usually do. They usually yeah. try and get momentum, push them on to the other, um, however long they're left in the game. They usually try and get the first try, but France getting it there, took the momentum away from England, made it harder for them, and I, I'm going to botch his name. Penno, Pono, whatever it's called. I'm not too sure. Um, I'm not too sure. Yeah. Either way, he did a phenomenal job, and that is why, in my opinion, he is one of the best players in his position in rugby today. Mm. But that's just me. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, we're going to go on to the punt a bit later on uh, when we're not talking about the um, the games. But I do yeah. have one thing to say: is like we were bigging him up last week as well. We were saying this is, he's an amazing player, and uh, the fact the fact that he's getting his degree and he's a uni student and at the exact same time he's working he's working if not if double double if not three times as hard as any other player for Toulouse or for France for that matter you know yeah. he's is Toulouse he plays for isn't he I haven't got that wrong I believe so but yeah. I'm not 100% but I believe I, so yeah. I believe I'm quite sure it's Toulouse but don't, don't know any, any any player in today's game of his age that's working so goddamn hard yeah 100% um, um Going back onto him, in um, the 31st minute, the try which they scored in the 31st, uh, they went over the top of the line out to the back, to a back, didn't they? To the back, to a, like a back running through. Yeah, yeah. Um, England did that either last year or the year before against, I want to say Ireland, but it yeah. might be Wales. <laughs> yeah. It was Ireland. You know what I'm on about? That, that was, try it, was gave me... before last? It was um, Slade at yeah. the back of the line out. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that was a that fun game to watch. That gave me flashbacks to that, which was obviously amazing. But... Do, do you know what was so bad about that? Because it's post-2018, I was really digging us up. I was like, oh, I'm going to have some mates around, going to watch the game, <laughs> saw that. There was tears running down my face, and you can ask any of my friends who watched that game with me, just the pure anger that I had. And I'm not going to say what had happened, but I'm sure a lot of them will be listening to this going, oh yeah, he, he went out the garden, he did this. They're only having a time in their life to think about, to remember that, just laughing away. And yeah. Um, but yeah, 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 it's it's a it's a risky play because you know if it's, that if that f's up or if that if that ball doesn't go straight, you know, like after it passes the line out, I don't think it has to go straight. I think it can it can yeah, just it can sort of bend a bit. But, but or or if if it if it doesn't go straight to the player. And it yeah, bounces, and it's, you know, you know just as well as anyone, the bounce yeah. on the ball is you got to have so it. Crazy. It's got to be on your side because if that bounce forward, you're reaching for it. Chances and are, you, if you catch it, you're instantly uh-huh. going to get clattered. You know, yeah. it, and especially with the um, big tacklers who England have. Think yeah. about. Um, I'm not. I'm not just talking about England, but like I'm saying, any team tries in general. It, yeah. yeah. In general, yeah. you're gonna get you're gonna get clattered, or the problem is you're going to set them up to do the exact same thing to you. If that bounces directly into their hand, you're gonna be disorientated. They're gonna run straight through and score a try. Hundred percent. Sorry. To me, that just shows. Me. Just burps. Sorry. To me, that just shows the uh, confidence of this French side, this young, hungry French side. The confidence they have in this game now, which 
you can't say of like France's gone by that almost turned a new leaf. Yeah. To me. Definitely. So, uh, one thing I was like, I was thinking, I did not like England in that game at all. Um, but then, I tell, I tell you, uh, that final try. He's a player who I actually do really <clears throat> like as a player, um, Maratoglu. Yeah, hundred percent. He's um, he's one of the main reasons why I, England. Have I said his name up. right then? I feel like I yeah. just said his name. Maratoglu. I just said yeah. Maratoji, mate. <laughs> Damn, he's, that's um, a bit embarrassing. <laughs> Maratoji. Uh, his ability to jump in the line out, along with his ability to um, maul his maul his rucks, he's has an amazing finish as well. He's one of the main reasons why England use their line out as they do. Mm. Whereas you look at other teams that throughout every level, they will just use the line out sort of to get the ball in play. England will use it for either a free phase attack, meaning one, two, and then they're going to go for a shot, or they'll use it as a weapon, like we saw in the World Cup, and like we saw again here in this game against France. Hmm. And it's just the, the, the whole way... Game, ha- the whole game was back and forth, and um, I was excited for the whole thing, and, mm-hmm. and again... It was much like the Sunday game with Ireland Scotland that we're going to go on to next, but it yeah. was just I, I wasn't watching it as a fan of either team. There, I was watching it as a fan of the sport because I, it was just yeah. this game, the passion of the players. I was just thinking, this this is what rugby is. This 100%. this is what makes rugby what it is. Just just pure love of the game and not stop working. And uh, back back to the previous weeks, Italy has been showing me that constantly. However, this week yeah. didn't. Um, but again, one one thing was just it was just heartbreaking um, <laughs> to have France France lost. I, you felt the pain because you felt the passion. But then again, I feel yeah. like if if England had lost, and I, you know you know this is going to yeah. be something difficult for me to say. If England had lost, I would have watched it and I would have felt the pain and I would have. But I mean, I said it. I said it last week for the for the Wales game. But I was more angry at the Wel- at the French ref and the Welsh team. But I felt horrible for England. I felt absolutely yeah. horrible, and I feel even worse now knowing um, Nigel Owen saying yeah. it is a knock on. Like, but I I was saying I felt horrible for England because it, there was a lot of disadvantages. But mm-hmm. you know. That one try definitely would have counted, and you probably wouldn't. Have, well, that try didn't count, apparently. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, mo- moving on to the last one, unless you have something else to say about that. One more thing: it just shows the inexperience in the youth of France that they yeah. can't close a game within the last five minutes. A tight game against England, I mean, which thought, for me yeah. was their game to lose. I mean, personally. It was like, I heard them saying this actually just before the game started. I'm piggybacking on a lot of commentators this today, aren't I? Um, they mm-hmm. went, neither team suits being the favourite. Both teams yeah. suit being the underdog. Now, last last year, um, in only months ago now, and it really wasn't a year ago. Last Six Nations they played, but um, thanks, thank you, COVID. <laughs> giving us more, more rugby closer together but 
taken it away from me for such a long time. But um, so is going into that, France was the favourite. And what was the final score of that game? What was the final score? I honestly could not tell you off the top of my um, head. So it was France, England, twenty twenty. Oh jeez, I've put in twenty thirty. That's not a good start. <laughs> <laughs> It's a Monday morning, things are going slow for me. <laughs> yeah, so France won that as the underdog and the and uh, England lost and they were the favourite. Here's the thing though, like you look you this year, going into that, I wouldn't have had a favourite for it. I genuinely did not have a favourite. I would have said either of those obviously I had a team I wanted, I had a favourite team yeah. in the situation, but I didn't have a favourite for the win. I would have said this is like England after last week, England bloody worked. Like, you know, I had their first couple of games, I thought they, they yeah. haven't been doing nothing special. They've been getting kind of lucky. So. The thing is, with me, Eddie Jones, as a coach, is the master of the four year plan. Yeah. You have a look at his 2003 Australia, his um, 2015 Japan, 2019 England. They boosted towards the World Cup. Yeah, but one thing I've got to say there is. He's getting it. He's getting them far up in that World Cup, but and doing good things, but like and and making big waves. He hasn't closed it. One thing. Do we want to talk about the quarterfinals? Do we want to talk about the quarterfinals? Oh no, we can talk about that. Joe Schmidt didn't close shit either, but like, not the point. Andy Farrell isn't yeah. going to in in twenty twenty three. I can tell you that. Um. But. Hundred percent. Right, like he he's he's changed the team around, but he's not the one to get the. He's win. not the one to get them there. He's the one to get them almost there. Exactly, but never quite all the but way. I think the only problem is I don't know this for a fact, but I think I think Eddie Jones's sort of coaching and management is everything goes through him. Yeah, he doesn't delegate as much, and I think he that's the like problem. He, he, he shouldn't have to delegate so much on the leader. When you get to those important games, Eddie has to turn switch on and say, right, I need to put trust in you to do this. To do your job. Yeah. yeah. You have a look at... Um, sorry, a little quick Google something, so I know. Um, but, yeah, so I'll finish my point. He, he he's an amazing he's an amazing coach. He is and he always has been and he was a great player in his own youth. Ah oh, shit mate, you cut for a minute. Did I? What? Yeah. Uh anyways. Um, well I was I was saying that can you still hear me, yeah, Con? Yeah, I can still hear, I can still okay. hear you. Um so he was saying well, I was saying, sorry. He's a great coach, and I can never take that away from him. But one thing was is he was he wasn't even a good player when he was when he was younger. However, he doesn't know how to how to really get a win. He doesn't know how to get the yeah. Win. Um, he doesn't know how to win in the big games, yeah. and then you have a look at like um, he's. If you go and buy a coach who you know will win if he can script 80 minutes, but you can't script 80 minutes, you're looking at Eddie Jones because 
he grips the first five to ten minutes of a game, and that is when, in my opinion, England are the most lethal. Mm. And then they've got a uh, new attack coach who is Simon. I'm hopefully not going to botch this last name. Amor. Simon Amor. For a minute, then I thought you were about to say Amor. Thinking that that's an unfortunate name. <laughs> <laughs> no, Simon Amor, who is um, he's got a background in sevens, yeah. and you've seen England play in this last Six Nations, very balls in, balls out, straight away, quick ball, yeah. and I reckon it's a very they... seven sort of aspect, isn't it? Yeah. It's like you you play it fast because you have you have less players on the pitch and you're playing on yeah. So, yeah, no, I guess I can see that. But I'll tell you, moving on to the Ireland, Ireland squad and the Ireland teams here, if you want to talk about a good coach who who did know how to finish and he knew how to delegate, right? Yeah. Joe Schmidt for the 2018 Ireland. Granted, then, yeah. again, then again, when it came when it came to the World Cup, it weren't as effective, but I think it was a whole different atmosphere because there was we had players, we had Schmidt, already announced his retirement he was grooming Andy Farrell to be be the next one the reason why we did so good in 2018 was Schmidt was our head coach and that was a fact and you saw this right Ireland's defence was impeccable that year you couldn't argue yeah. how good Andy Farrell did as a defence coach I'm not saying I'm not saying you shouldn't be head coach not for one minute am I saying that right and they've got the new I'm quite sure the new defensive coach is Paul O'Connell an old, an old yeah. Ireland player. Now, that's going to be good. I say next year that's going to be good. But the problem was, over tw- the 2019 World Cup was, Farrell was still head defence coach, but he was looking to be more focused on getting an idea of what Joe does. Yeah. So um, it's a bit and here and there, you know. Do you want to move on to the uh, yeah, we'll move, game? Yeah, we will right? move on to the game, but I just wanted to make that little point there. Yeah. So, like I said, Ireland-Scotland, I wasn't watching that as an Ireland fan. Thank, I, I'm so goddamn happy that Ireland won. <laughs> but I was watching it as I was watching it as a uh, as just a fan of the sport, really. And I thought, yeah. they, they, I can't fault anything much with that game. Um, plays from both squads, absolutely <laughs> amazing. Uh, line-outs, really good. Yeah. I can fault a few things actually. I do tell a lie. Handling for both teams. Yeah. Wasn't that really wasn't. On. It wasn't, wasn't really as on point as it should be. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. Do you blame that on conditions? Do you blame that on whatever? Or do you just do you say they players just, just they just weren't switched on? Players at this level shouldn't have the excuse of it's conditions. Depends. That's the shit you use when you're like an under tens, isn't it? Mm. True. True. But I mean, then again, should... you got to think. If you're playing under 10s, you're going to get called off before the pitch gets absolutely destroyed. But you saw yeah. the anthems. In training, Hendy, uh, Henderson already had muddied shorts like in the pre-match training. Like, you know, it was already, you knew it was muddy up there, but I don't know how slippery yeah. the ball would have been. Um, I'll cut Murray Field. But, you know, other than handling, both teams, really good job. The refing. Yeah. The refere- refereeing of that game, you know, I can't put a fault in it. Now, I was talking to my mate Callum, and Callum's actually going to come on one of these weeks uh, soon. He's just got mocks. Um, I'm not going to lie, I was very upset that I didn't have him on this week because I think it would make a fascinating discussion 
Oh, well, thank Scot- you. You're still gonna be here <laughs> for the Scotland, the Scotland Island game. Is like next week is gonna be even more fascinating because it's England Island. You know, we, we're gonna have a good chat about that. I don't you? I'm, I'm dipping next week. <laughs> you can get someone else to fill the hole. Oh, bugger! <laughs> I'm gonna have to find. <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to have to find someone else who is so pig-headed and uh, stubborn. Oh, stubborn? <laughs> hey, do you want to go back to um, England-Wales where we had this conversation for no, like half an hour? Shush you. <laughs> Stop yeah, living in the past. That's what Before I you know it, you're going to start talking about 2003, aren't you? You were one year old. You weren't even that way. <laughs> I wasn't even born, mate. Yeah. <laughs> so shut <laughs> up. And when was the last time Ireland won the World Cup? And there we go. Okay, anyway, so... Thank you. Um, he, so Callum turned around to me and he went... It, he turned around and said the exact same thing. The game was just an amazing game of rugby. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, fir- the first try, like how you said, Ireland don't try anything... Unless they have the advantage. Unless they have that advantage. And you saw it and, you know, well, it worked. It worked, you know, uh, getting that... Yeah, um, I was very, I was very upset for Keith Ellis not to get that try, but um, thank goodness Bobby Henshaw got it. So, oh, he, he was in the right place, right time, but it was very unfortunate because yeah. um, good shift from Keith Ellis. You look at other teams in the Six Nations and just in rugby in general, and there's no team to me which is happy to go through as many phases as Ireland are, mm, yeah. uh, just crashing it up and crashing it up and crashing it up. To the, because they don't do anything until they have that advantage. Then they try some flashy shit out back, yeah. and they hope it pays off. Yeah, and you know what? I, you can't. If we were doing that at our level, you'd say that's just one of rugby, and you don't want to do one of rugby. But yeah, you're not gonna be a pro if you do one of rugby. Then you see an international team doing it, and they've been doing it for years, and it bloody well works for them. You think. <clears throat> Well, you could do one at rugby. We could make it work. You like? It's a bit like um, the I forgot what it was where they needed three points to win in the Six Nations a couple of uh, twenty eighteen against you, France. Yeah, they drop they, they just drove and drove and oh, drove, the, and they were happy to do that. You look at like that England. Wasn't, that wasn't with a penalty or anything. That was um, that was the situation no, of if like the, what I'm the saying Scott, is the amount, gone into red. Johnny Sexton's like we. We're way too far out for a drop goal because they're in the 50 metres. They moved up 10 metres. Still a difficult drop goal to make 40 metres out. Yeah, but still clocked it. You, but what I'm saying is, like, you have a look at how many phases that. they went through to get them yards. Whereas, yeah, it was, if you look at, like, any other team, they wouldn't was it, have... Was it 40? Was it 40? I think so. They wouldn't have, like, the dedication to continuously drive. Yeah, yeah it's like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't see them. Look. Again, that's that 2018 that was on about. It's like... They were just, you know, the conditioning of those players that year was impeccable, and you know, you got, yeah. and, that, and that was the year that Sexton became more of a target than ever before, and he still mm-hmm. is that target. And it, the reason why he's still that target, I think Sexton still has it in him to do shit like that. But everyone, I think everyone else thinks he still has that in him. So we're like, we don't give him the space to do that. This um. This game, because he's saying he wants to play another World Cup, I think he doesn't have the longevity to do it. This game, to me, proved that he he bloody well does, because of all the kicks he had, 
He nailed the ones in key moments. He was good under pressure all game long. One fuck up of Petit. Apart from that, amazing. Yeah, definitely. I do agree. I think the player who we saw this weekend, he he has the longevity to definitely be next in the 2023 World Cup. Maybe, definitely as captain, but maybe he won't be on it for that long. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, right? Joey Carberry will be back for that because he's back in all. He's back for Munster right now. He's he's, he's back on the pitch and he's training. Yeah. And I re- I think, you know, Ireland's got some great selections for uh, tens. They've got they other than Carberry and Sexton. They've got um, uh, well, Ross Byrne, his little brother yeah. Harry Byrne, who all, all both of them both trained. Um, have been training with Johnny Sexton, so if anything, they're the most experienced out of them. But uh, out of the other, and then you've got uh, Billy Burns. There's a lot of birds. There's a lot of birds, yeah. isn't there? Um, yeah. di- di- not related, different sort. Um, who, who's the English guy who was being called a bottler for Ireland? Uh, but no, I've got to say that he had to go for that ten, and with the conditions. With the wind and all, it was a difficult one. Sexton even said it was a difficult shot for him, uh, kick for him to make. If he had got gone for that ten meter line out, other than that five meter line out, the chances of them getting a try were significantly lower. So he had to try for the, uh, for that. And he was very emotional. So I stand by Billy Burns and saying he's a great fly half, and I love him yeah. for Ulster because you know I'm a big Ulster mm-hmm. fan. Um, but. Definitely, I want to see Carberry back up, and he's back. He's back in training for Munster, and he's doing great things for Munster. I'm, I'm excited to see him, hopefully, on the Ireland squad, um, yeah. for 2023 because there is no one who is a better choice if Sexton can't play. For me, even if you do get him, you're chucking a 13 or 12, even sorry. I mean, he did and that. He did that. Um, you run the same sort of system as what England use. Because they have a distributor on both sides of the ball on pretty much every phase, which keeps the defence, like, it keeps their heads yeah, up. true, true, true. But, I mean, I think there's, I think there's been the part of, oh, we need a really good, like, if anything, you want to look at them looking Ross Byrne in that position. Yeah. But, the again, another problem is, while you've got people like Robbie Henshaw and... Gary Ringrose, who Gary Ringrose, he, he's he's got too much speed to be in the in the inside centre, but if you want him as the distributor, he played scrum half in a couple of games. You know when when they've had a yellow card and Ringrose yeah. has stepped up to be scrum half. You know he can play that. He's a great distributor, but when you've got Henshaw and Ringrose, you you're not or for example, when you got Henshaw and Ringrose, you're not going to switch that off. When you've got Bundyaki and Henshaw. You're not going to switch it up. Bundyaki is a 12, no doubt, isn't he? He's an inside centre. Henshaw, no doubt. Hen- Henshaw can play either. He's a centre and he can play either way. You know, uh-huh. and you, you saw him play either way there. But I mean, we we did see Joey Carberry in the 12 position. Um, I'm not sure if it was 2019 or... Yeah, it would have been 2019 because obviously he injured himself in the World Cup. But he can uh-huh. do it. And one thing that... Um, did get brought up was the Scotland, the, the Ireland's second try. Now, that was... Oh, yeah, I got that because, down as because well. Because someone was saying, um, well, Callum turned around to me and went, well, actually, it wasn't grounded. Now, the laws around this is like, 
is like the technique. I think how I've saw it, well, at least how refs ref it, because I've held yeah. some off in the past and they've said, no, it was a try. And I'm like, are you okay, mate? Um, <laughs> I held him up. His hand touched the ground and the ball didn't have anything else beneath it, really. The ball had, the, the other hand was beneath it, but that would have been a try. Even if the ball didn't yeah. touch the ground, if his hand has, and you know, it, it kind of still counts. It's kind of the law around that. I'm not too sure about, but how it's I'm very, thinking. it's very all over the place. That yeah. law, it's all. But one th- one thing, um, like Callum was saying to me, he turned around and he went, oh, "I don't think it should have been a try." It was like he was definitely being held up by. I think he said Hamish Watson. I, f- I can't remember off the top of my head, um, but Hamish Watson and someone else. Uh, and I was like, well, ref didn't go to a TMO. Ref took it apart, and the, we're only shown the one camera angle, so we can't make much of a judgment call about that really. But yeah. we're shown two camera angles, but nothing really significant. Ref took mm-hmm. it apart and saw it, and it, clearly the ref saw something we didn't see because he didn't ask for TMO. TMO didn't call it back. And um, the referee just went try. So, and Callum instantly agreed. He went, yeah, to be fair, if there was any doubt from in the ref's mind, it would have 100% been a TMO. Yeah. So, I think I think it definitely was a try. But mm-hmm. I wish they did show us the other angles because it would have it would have helped us make that decision to say uh, outside of it. And, it but, and we could be clear on it because it would probably clear up yeah. some confusion if we could see the angle that he saw. But um, see the referee get taken out. No, is that not in the highlights? No. Oh, that's a shame. I'm sure. I'm sure it was the Ireland Scotland game. Um, out of nowhere, what? referee got tackled. <laughs> he, I what think. I think he tripped over um uh, a Scotland player in the um when they were in Ireland's five meters. It was a great. It was a great, great part of the oh. show. Really. <laughs> Did much enjoy seeing that. Did, did they show it like at the ref cam angle as well? No, I don't think he was wearing a camera. I don't think he was wearing a camera, which was really. Don't they all though? I don't think they all because if they all did, surely they would have shown us the ref cam of that try to make it clear to us that he scored. Yeah, yeah fair play, fair play. You know when they pulled it yeah, apart. Yeah. I thought they all did as well, but I'm thinking surely you would have shown us that. Yeah. Because I thought they all had to in like internationals. I'm not sure now. That's that's something to look at, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um. But Scotland's try as well when they uh, mm-hmm. uh, Stuart Hogg's um, charge down of Gary Ringrose's uh, clearance kick. Um, the control Stuart Hogg had. I'll tell you, he's a lucky man that hit his chin. If that had hit yeah. just his chest, that's a knock on all day, every day. But hit his chin. Mm-hmm. So get regain control, and you know what? It was a well-deserved try. I think it was Finn Russell who got the try in the end, but it was a well-deserved try. And you know, I, I think it was another Scotland try. I was watching it in the bar, which I'm in right now. Um, I was watching yeah, it in the bar with on. my family. I turned to my brother, I go. Uh, four phases. They're going to score a try. <laughs> went four phases. Going to score. Oh wait, no, I think I'm. I might went three, fa- three phases. They're going to score a try, and yeah. I'm like, I'm sitting there, I'm watching it. I go, told you. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. They started on the half meter line. And I just went, told you. My brother went, 
it was four. And I go, what? It was four. No, it wasn't. It was three phases. He goes, no, it was four passes. And I go, phases. Phases, not passes. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> so, like, I don't know how I got that right, but if only I could place bets on how many phases it take a team to score. Fair enough. Yeah, um, do you want to move on to Tier 1 Nation? Discussion? Tier huh? 1 Nation time. What makes yes, a I... Tier 1 Nation? Is it beating other tier? Is it beating people who are currently Tier 1 Nations? No, because Japan would be. Is it being one of the best in the world? No, because Japan would be. Because, in my opinion, name another team who plays like Japan and has the same results as them throughout any level of rugby. You can't. Japan is the best in the world at what they do. Mm. Also, can you tell that I love to watch Japan? Yeah, no, I think think everyone got that. (laughs) They can't see you, and I think they just got it from your voice. I'm seeing him waving his hands, being very aggressive in his actions towards me right now, shouting about Japan. You know? (laughs) They're an amazing team. Yes, and I do yeah. agree. I do agree. They are a I'm genuinely spot. pissed off that they aren't a tier one nation. Hundred percent, do agree with you there, mate. If like, so what's making it? What is making them a tier one nation? Is it making them top ten to the points? Is that what we're saying? Do we have to go back to last week's discussion about the rankings and how they're so poorly done? Is is that's what makes a tier one nation? But it can't be because Italy do do still count as a tier one nation and they're not in the top 10 they're nowhere near the top 10 and yet japan are a tier one nation japan are e- easily better than italy so the, that is the question and it, i tell you if anyone knows i will very much appreciate you to explain to me what makes a nation tier one in this sport and i feel this will be a running discussion for every time me and kind of do a podcast together um, of what makes a tier one nation until we have an answer and uh, world rugby uh, say that Japan is a tier one nation. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't think Connor's going to let nation, it go. I'm going to be pissed off. You're, you'll start a campaign for this, won't you? Fucking hell, yeah, I will. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, okay, look. In the this, world is, Cup, this is just your part of the show now where you're just going to rant, isn't it? Yeah, That's yeah, I am. In the like, World like, Cup. They beat so many teams who are tier one nations, and yet they're still tier two somehow, despite being all them tier one nations. It makes no sense. True, true. <laughs> okay. um, that's all. You you can take over now. Well, well per- yeah. personally, I think I think I think we said what we need to say about the tier one. I've only included that because I know you just want to rant, mate. So I haven't got much to say about that. Um, But if anyone does know the answer of what actually makes a Tier 1 nation Tier 1... And why Japan aren't Tier 1. Please let us know. Um, Right, this is the... Now, this is our second to last part to talk about. And if anything, it's the most exciting part for me because I love this sort of stuff. Topic title is Mental State for Playing and Training. Now, as I said... mental. Hmm? The naps. The French guy who takes the naps. Yeah, naps. It sounds like you're saying yeah. naps. No, naps, yeah. With an N. Make sure you get That's what I said. It doesn't sound like that. But anyway, like like I said, we, uh, when we're talking about the England-France game, we're going to come back onto the punt. So the punt did, an, uh, did quite a few 
articles talking about because France is loving him, so they don't shut up about him now. Um, there were quite a few articles of it all, and he turns around and goes, his pre-game rituals is he takes a nap before every single game. And that's for Toulouse, he does it. I don't know if he still does it for France. Don't he know does it for France different. as well. Does he do it for France as well? Um, the article that I read, is he only mentions Toulouse. He doesn't say he does it for uh, France. But he do, apparently he does it for both. And, you know, it, what works, works, isn't it? It's, um, it's a very... Don't fix it's, what ain't broke. It's an unusual thing. But there's actually a lot of... Uh, I did a bit of research. And there's a lot of studies to say it actually works. There's a lot of studies on this and if it is an efficient way. Um, and I don't know if he's only doing it because he, of the studies or if he just feels more comfortable doing it. But, you know, that begs the question about what does everyone else do for pre-match rituals? And is he's a ritual? Ritual? Is it, does he do it because he's just in a routine now? Or does he do it because he's like, nah, I, just, I, feel, I feel more awake. So I like to do it. Or does he feel if he doesn't do that, he's going to do worse? Yeah. Now, I don't know. Um, but I don't know if you have an opinion on if that if that's the case. But then we'll, we'll go on to talk about our own and other stuff that we've heard over the years of what people Either do. way, he is a phenomenal player. If he doesn't do it, I can't believe he'll dip that much. But still, I think... No, we don't know. We haven't, we haven't saw him without his nap. He is a young yeah. player. <laughs> he might need his nap time he's still a baby he's older than us man what are we saying <laughs> we're 18 in the plan. grand scheme of rugby yeah he's a, he's a youngin for rugby but yeah he's getting his degree and all so you know what fair play to him you know and, but yeah so what do you do for pre-game ritual and what do you and I'm not just talking about playing I'm talking about watching a game. Do you have any, you know, to make sure England win or I don't? What's your club? What club do you support in Prem? Saracens. Saracens. Do you do anything watching their games to make you feel better, um, more comfortable with it? No, not really. I don't really get the opportunity to watch that many games because my work clashes with pretty much yeah. everything. So um, any game I watch, I'm, I just count myself lucky that my boss hasn't called me in for overtime. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I mean, personally, for me, watching uh, Ireland games, I have to wear the day before it. I have to wear one of my Ireland jerseys, and the day afterwards, uh, and the day of the game, I have to wear the other Ireland jersey, and it has to be this jersey this day, this jersey the next day. Um, Do you forget that ritual when it comes to the quarterfinals? Uh, <laughs> it's the the quarterfinals made me decide on that ritual. <laughs> I realised I didn't do it for that game. Um, well, all of the quarterfinals they got to. Yeah, every single one that I've been alive in. <laughs> and that's the that's the two the two thousand and seven when I weren't I weren't even aware of rugby really being a thing, mate. Um, <laughs> two thousand eleven. I weren't actually. I didn't watch rugby back in two thousand eleven, really. And then it was 2015 that was the first World Cup that I would have actually been into my rugby. It, 2015 was the first World Cup which like I was, which actually caught me 
Yeah. I mean, it's not, it was here, it's, it's not because it was here in England. It was because I just started at a uh, secondary school. Obviously, um, we started. Was it? It was the yeah. We were twenty fourteen to twenty fifteen. So that was the summer of our year seven, wasn't it? Uh-huh. Uh, I just started playing rugby at school, so I was really getting into my rugby gear. It was something I decided. I think year six, I was like, when I get into secondary school, I want to be playing rugby. So I, I started think, when I was I think, that's where, I think that's where I got really into it. But yeah, the, I I I learned I soon enough. I only had one Ireland jersey back then, so I learned soon enough. Uh, that I have to I have to own two, and that's how it's got to go um, <laughs> for Ireland to win yeah. a game. Um, but then I also have a lucky glass. So watching a game, um, I it's it's ridiculous, really. Um, well, so when you go to the pub to watch a game, you just take no, the no, fucking no, glass. No, no, no. Here's the thing. No, it's. It doesn't matter if I don't drink out the glass, but if anyone else drinks out the glass, bad things happen. And I know it sounds so ridiculous, but um, the island uh, to Italy, not last weekend, but the week before last, I think it was Italy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad was drinking out of, no, no, it was the Wales Island game. My dad was drinking out my lucky glass. What a shame! And I, you know, I was every time he weren't, he didn't take a drink. Ireland did all right, and then he kept drinking. I was just like, "This is the, you're the reason we lost." Um, <laughs> you're the reason. You're the, you are the reason. Well done. The single reason. <laughs> no, nothing else. You're the <laughs> so it doesn't matter if I don't drink out of it, but if anyone else does, I see bad things happen, and you know it's kind of weird that when he drank out of it while scored you know so I'm just saying yeah, uh, it's just re- a coincidence the red card probably. happened it, it, you might call it a coincidence but I say he he, he fucked us over um, <laughs> but, um then for my training uh, I don't have a, I don't feel I have a good training session um, unless so we we meant to meet at 7 o'clock and we start training in, hmm? in the morning in the morning or afternoon Evening. That's when our oh, training good, sessions good. start. Fucking hell, seven o'clock in the morning. Now our cl- so our club training sessions seven in the evening, um, was when we meant to meet and we do kind of our own personal warm ups like uh, doing yeah. stretches necessary and then just pass the ball and warm up before we go into drills and etc. It's more it's more like a you've got half an hour to show up, but it's so we start training. You don't we do our like a warm up routine, but it's more of um. It's more so the players just it's a bit of a social aspect for us. Yeah, get yourself comfortable as well. Yeah. So yeah. they uh, I show up at six o'clock. I have to show up at six. If I don't show up at six, do I do about not always, uh, it depends on what I do, but if I'm there by myself, it I'll show I'll show up at six and I'll do about fifty passes off each hand and then I'll start doing kicking. Well I'll do some box kicking. Um, and then I'll do uh, some uh, kicking uh, with the off the tee, um, yeah. and then but it's just typically by the time by the time I've done my passes and stuff, my mate Lewis shows up, and then we do because he'll show up about half six with me, and we just get some extra kicking in before everyone else shows up. Yeah. Sometimes uh, another player who is the scrum half. Um, Mikey, he will show up and he'll uh, he'll do more scrum half stuff with myself, 
but I, it doesn't matter what I do in that time as long as I am training. But I yeah. need to be there an hour before everyone else. If I show up, if I show up at six, ten past six, my training session just feels like shit. I don't get anything I have, training session. I have three which I'm going to find very weird. So when I train on, because I train Thursday and Friday, I train with our first team. So uh, not Thursday and Friday, sorry. Tuesday and Thursday. Yeah, so yeah? that's the same for us. So on Tuesday, my left sock has to be rolled all the way up and my right one has to be all the way down. <laughs> on Thursday, right one has to be all the way up, left one has to be all the way down. Yeah. And then on game day, they both have to be all the way up. Yeah. That's... It, it, if I don't do it, I just I feel weird. Think, it just doesn't feel right. Day. I don't think I've got a game day. I think I've got, for game day, I think the only thing that I would do is just listen to me. I've got a game day playlist that I listen to before I leave the oh. house. I won't, I won't I listen like, to it when I'm on my way there and I won't listen to it when I'm there because I'm not going to lie, some of the songs in it, I don't want anyone else to hear. <laughs> it's it's some stuff like, that psychs you up. <laughs> Are you okay? To, but, um, I, I'll, I'll listen to that and uh, I, I also, on the way there though, I don't know who how I'm getting there so sometimes, if I'm on the bus, I might still listen to it but if, I, if I've yeah. got a lift with someone, uh, from the club, I'll take my earphones. I won't have my earphones out. I'll be listening to whatever they put on. But then when we get in the changing room, we play some other music, which is just the general psyche up sort of music, which is yeah, the rugby. Yeah, just the rugby group. Just what, what we do. I know, know, I know. You know, and and get there a bit early, have a bit of a chat. It's like it's not really that isn't really a ritual like to make me feel like I need to do it's that. Just what it's just what happens and. I don't know. I feel like if I didn't have that chat beforehand, I don't know if I'd feel like I've done such an efficient sort of a sort of day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I listen. I'm very weird. I listen to the same music every single game day, but it's not like your generic music. You're you're gonna fucking hate this. I listen to. Um, you can't play it. See, you can't play. I'm it. not gonna. I'm trying to find. <laughs> I'm trying to find the artist's name because I fucking can't for life. Well, I'll, re- I'll read you. So my game day playlist, I'll read you some of the songs I'm okay with. <laughs> so We're all in this together. Um, <laughs> I've, I've got a bit of Overpass in there. Great band that is from Birmingham. Birmingham? It's, uh, it's my mate's band. <laughs> I've, got, I've got them in there because it's just a good song. It gets me happy to listen to their music because... Um, I've got uh, Remember the Name uh, by Ed Sheeran yes. and Eminem and 50 Cent because it just gets me. Yeah. You know, I've got, a bit, I've got Supersonic by Oasis in there. Um, and I've got I, listen. I Am the Resurrection by the Stone Roses. And they're the only ones I'm going to tell Very egotistical, but. And that's the one I'm going to tell you. That they're the only ones you're going to hear, mate. <laughs> the, rest, I, um... the rest are a mystery. <laughs> I listen to songs like, uh, you would never have heard of any of these people, but anyway, so let me quickly find them, because I do not know their names, but I know their songs. Does that make sense? Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, Bones of the Ocean by The Longest Jones. I don't, don't, don't recognise it. I'll have to have you send yeah. me it. You, you can send me that and I'll listen to it. 
Uh, also, do you know the song Rockstar? Uh, Nickelback Rockstar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I like... That is a like banger. Listen... That is a banger. You know what? That's going in the playlist. That's going in the playlist. I like to listen to Sea Shanty. It's one of my favourite genres. There's a Sea Shanty version of that song. Get lost. <laughs> yeah, there okay, is. You're sending me that as well. I'm listening to that one as well. I will do. I will do. Okay, so yeah, they're like two of my favourite songs pre-game. I have a couple more. Fair enough, man. Um, I think. What what's the weirdest pre-game you've ever heard of? Uh, one of my mates headbutts a door. One of your mates. <laughs> we we will say it's one of my mates. Uh, so you. <laughs> yeah, me. I headbutt a door. <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, it's the weirdest, the weirdest one I've ever heard of. Was one of my old pre-matches. So, um, it's a bit. It is kind of weird. It's like, it's not weird, and it is weird because you know how people take like ice baths for recovery. Yeah, you do it before game. It used to be a pre-game for me to take like a ice cold shower. Like what? I don't know. Maybe it's because I just struggled waking up. <laughs> maybe that was it. But um, I do it, and like, and then I I go I go into my bedroom. I pick up the weights, and I do bicep curls for about ten minutes. <laughs> as you do, I'm, you just, make mine look do, normal. Um, you make mine look normal, mate. Trust me. <laughs> That's what I used to do. Like it was like it was barely. Like, the weight was basically nothing I was lifting. I think it was only, it would have only been, like, 4kg, but I'd be doing it so fast, just, like, back and forth. Like, I'd be, I don't know why the hell. I, I'd still be in the towel doing it, like, I wouldn't even get changed. Half the As time. you do. <laughs> be in the shower doing it while I'm at it, you know. Like. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that was a, that was a pre, pre-game I used to have. Of game day, that's the thing, it was a... I'd, I'd have um, I'd have like school games, like and stuff. I know that I have them after school. That's how I'd I'd wake up in the morning to prep myself, and I'd be in that mental state for the entire day. It's just like <laughs> I don't know why, but I just want to fight anything. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm not gonna. The thing is if it... I'm not gonna because I'm an absolute wuss, but I want to. <laughs> the thing is, if it works to you, it works to you, eh? Yeah. Like, it's nothing. So. I think final thing now, I think just before we end the show, the big one, something everyone is really excited for, the new return to rugby roadmap. Yes. So, until the 29th of March, we're still in stage A, which means we can individually train with one other person. So, can't really do much. Um, But come the 29th, we can do ready for rugby and some contact training. So uh, we can do basically contact training, but we can't do scrums or mauls. And uh, we can play um, touch tag games against other clubs. So that's that's something. Um, we're yeah. my team's back in the thirtieth. That's our first training session, and we've already. I got, have no fucking clue. I all, have no clue. We're back. Already got um, a few uh, few games set up for um 
Uh, when is it? When is it set up for? It's gone from my head now. First, from the first of May, we've got game set up fixtures. So really, really excited for that. But uh, so we we're jumping. So on the 29th, we're jumping straight into a uh, stage D one from the old uh, from the old roadmap. Just going straight mm-hmm. back into that. Um, then on just just under a month later, on the 26th of April, we'll be doing contact training. Still include excluding uh, scrums and mules, and we are allowed to go back to games, but with the adapted laws of no scrums and mules. And um, I assume, yeah, no, and uh, you get obviously penalised for starting a mule. Yeah, mule. Um, it's going to make it a lot more like a league. Yeah, it's going to be more of a bats game. That's the thing, because some forwards Which? had some uh, some forwards had a tackle. Like it is the hold up, which is I know some personally who they that's how they play the game. They will make tackles by just trying to hold you up to get the ball going and then letting it yeah. fall on you. And you know, um, uh, but then then after that we move on to stage E one, which is full contact training. Um, it, and uh, we haven't got a date for that because we just have to go off the government's roadmap for return from uh, COVID. But that's full contract. Tra- training is back including scrums and mauls after that is e2 two weeks after e1 is what we hope for and um, where adult contact matches and some off-field um, restrictions so the game itself will be back to normal and then hopefully stage f which it would be um not before step four of the government roadmap uh, could even be later is all restrictions will be lifted and I cannot wait to get back on that pitch. I can't wait 100%. to do. I can't wait to get down there on a Tuesday evening at six o'clock and not leave until nine. I can't wait for that three-hour training session. <laughs> oh, mate, hundred percent agree with you there. Uh, I've been needing it, you know. I'm getting bored of just passing the ball off the rebounder <laughs> in the garden. It's uh, getting to me now. It's getting. To, you know, I'm 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 a left-footed. I'm left-handed, but. I tell you, I've been practicing my right-footed kicks. I'm getting that bored. <laughs> and, and I'm, um, I know some of my I'm mates. Left- sorry, I was going to say some of my mates will definitely tell you. Are you sure you're left-footed? To myself, because uh, my kicks are terrible either way. But <laughs> I'm left-footed, right? And um, the first and last time I kicked off a tee in a game, I scored directly underneath like the post. And you know, it's just a bit of like a you're winning by so much, anyone can take the fucking kick. Oh, so they let you take the kick. In front of the posts, and you. In front of the... <laughs> I kicked it because I'm left footed. It speared up left. <laughs> I hit like the corner thingy, the uh, the flag in the corner. <laughs> Con, did you ever do kicking before like that? Like, no. Ever train? So you no. didn't even know how to kick a ball, like a rugby ball off the tee. I know how to kick, but just not off the tee. Ah, oh, brilliant. Well, I guess that that's a that's a best better note than anything else to finish today's show on um i really hope you guys all enjoyed listening to it uh you know you might hear connor next week you might not especially after you won't especially after hearing how he kicks i don't know if i'll let him back on um (laughs) (laughs) can't be any worse than you though i mean you can because at least i can kick a ball through the post by standing in front of them like come on I'm sorry, it's a reason I don't play football. <laughs> I mean, also, I don't like football. Yeah, but, I was going to say. You know. So, anyway, 
I hope you guys have all enjoyed listening to it and we will catch you next week.